Well, good morning, Resonate family. It is such an honor to be in this room today. I have to tell you, this is my very first time preaching on a Sunday morning in somebody else's church. And the fact that it's here means the world to me. And here's why. I, I bet in your life, there are people you can think about that lifted you up out of darkness. And the Bible talks about Jesus being the lifter of our heads. Have you ever heard that verse? And I love that God uses the right people to like get their, get their fingers under our chins and be like, actually, no, right? Get our eyes up on Jesus. And your pastors have been that for my wife and I. And I can't thank you enough that when you, when you share them to other parts of Canada and other parts of the world, there are stories attached to that. And if you don't ever have a chance to hear those stories, you might forget what you're sitting in the middle of here. You might forget the miracle that you're sitting a part of as Resonate Church. And so I just want to say thank you for sharing your pastors with us. They are some of our absolute closest and dearest friends in this season of life. And uh, so let me tell you a little bit about me. Um, I'm 43 years old, almost 44. My wife, Nicole, and I uh, were celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary this coming summer. And we've got, yeah, come on, 20 years. I always say I'm still working on my first marriage. And we've got three children, Julia, Riley, and Caleb. I think I have a family photo. I should show that to you. There we are, if you can see it. So Julia's on the far right, she's 14, and then Riley's 12, my beautiful wife, Nicole. She's preaching right now for the very first time in our church in Edmonton uh, this morning. And then our youngest son, Caleb, is eight years old. And in April of 2018, um, less than two years ago, we moved from Winnipeg, Canada to Edmonton. And we were part of a great church in Winnipeg for 22 years. I was on staff there for 16, and we thought we'd be there for life. And we were serving, I was an assistant pastor, my wife was a children's pastor, and we were serving our lead pastors and their story and their vision, and we just, we just thought we'd be there forever. And God invited us to step into the city of Edmonton to plant a brand new church. And so we moved there with our three kids, and that's it. And then we pioneered a brand new local church family out of dust, and that's how good God is, right? Attached to that for me is a season of months of just being on my knees, weeping terrified, in fear. Right? It was like the peace about the invitation, but I can't see the next steps. I want to see 20 steps down the road, God, but I can't see. Right? So what does faith look like for me to sit on my knees at two, three, four, five in the morning, weeping because we have no people, we have no money, and we're supposed to plant a church, right? But how we've seen God go before us and lead us with clarity. God's word is like a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Even if it's just your next step, will you trust him? Will you take that step? Will you let him continue to lead you? And so we've seen a community of, of nothing grow into a community of hundreds in 16, 17 months. You know, we've seen over 123 people begin a faith journey for the first time. Right now, we've got over 130 people serving at Evolve. We've got over 150 people in small groups and a community. People that call Evolve Church home, um, somewhere around 320 to 330 people in a year and a half. And I'm, I'm like, God, this is what you had in mind for us. So I want to talk to you today about starting an uprising. Anybody in the room enjoy watching a good war movie? 
if you're like a pacifist, I respect that. And like if, and, and so I'm not here to be political and talk about the pros and cons of war. Okay. Hang with me. I don't watch a lot of tel television. I don't watch a lot of movies. It's not that I'm anti that kind of media. I just like, I'd rather play Lego or play a board game or read a book or sit in the hot tub or, 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 but I do love a good war movie. Okay. And one of my all time favorite war movies is 20 years old. It's from 2000. I think it's called the Patriot starring Mel Gibson. Anybody in the room seen The Patriot? Okay, a few old people. That's perfect. I love it. I'm in good company this morning. I love this. This is good. So, um, The Patriot stars Mel Gibson. He plays a fictional character named Benjamin Martin who used to fight in wars and then laid it aside. And then due to a turn of events involving one of his family members, he picks up his hatchet once again and goes back to war to start an uprising, to respond to tyranny, to violently push back against, an, against the established government, okay? And that's what an uprising is. An uprising defined is an organized act of resistance, rebellion, or revolt. Often a violent insurrection against the established rule. And those two words are important today because this is the big question I want to ask as we dig in. What's the established rule of your life? What is the established rule that you are building your life upon? Either by default or by design, by accident or on purpose, there's an established rule over your life. For many of us, that's the habits that we've developed over time. That's the established rule of our life, our habits. For some of us, it's previous circumstances, things that we've worked through, stuff that we've walked out, but that's the platform that we're living off of. For others in the room, it's the whisper of the enemy in our ear, wrong thoughts that we just don't know how to take captive. And so we're constantly being ruled by the whisper of the enemy in our thought life. It's disappointment, it's fear. For some of us, it's our talent. It's what we're good at. We've built our lives on the established rule of how we're crushing it, how we're hustling hard, and the gifts and the abilities we have, but that's our platform, that's our confidence, that's our established rule. For others in the room, it's our personality type. We've leaned heavy into like my Enneagram number, or my disc personality, or my Myers-Briggs, or just like, this is my wheelhouse, I'm really good at these things because this is who I am and I'm getting comfortable in my own skin. And so because of your personality type, you set goals, you dream dreams, you plan for growth, you look ahead with expectation, but that's become the established rule of your life. And then we trust that the established rule of our habits or our circumstances, or our disappointments, or our fear, or our talent, or our personality type. But we trust that that established rule is actually going to bring us into the places that God has prepared for us. Resonate, God did not design you to look to the established rule of your past to fulfill your future. That was never God's intention. You were not designed to build on the established rule of your past to fulfill your tomorrow. The established rule of your past are habits that were shaped, where? In our past. Previous circumstances that what? Happened in our past. The whisper of the enemy that happened this morning, maybe, but that was still in the past, right? 
Come on, disappointment from my past, fear shaped by the things that happened in the past, talent and ability that was shaped inside of me when I was being knit together in my mother's womb 43 years ago in the past, personality type that's developed where in the past, we are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. Rick Warren, pastor and author says, we're products of our past, but we do not have to be prisoners to the past. I love that. There's hope for me today to rest in the assurance that God hasn't invited me to build my life on the established rule of my past to fulfill my future. I think it's time for a changing of the guard. I think it's time for an uprising, a violent insurrection, tyranny against the established rule. I'm talking about an organized, intentional act of resistance, rebellion, and revolt. An uprising of faith, church. That's what's needed. Right? It's not like he's up in heaven going, I hope they figure this out. It's like he wrote it down clearly in this love letter called the Bible. Make us right in his sight. This is the accomplished from start to finish by faith. You're going to have to laugh at this is all I got people. So um, this is accomplished from start to finish by my habits. No, by my personality type, by my talents. This is actually established and accomplished through faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Galatians 3.11. So it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to law. For the scripture says it is through faith that a righteous person has life. There it is a second time. Let's read it a third time. Hebrews 10.38. My righteous ones will live by faith. But I'll take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. It's through faith and through the new established rule of faith that we build our lives upon that we begin to step into the life that God's already prepared for us. You know, church, regardless of where you are at today in your faith story, this could be your very first time in this room. And you came in today wondering, is there a God who even knows my name? And you might have just begun something in the recent season, or you might have been in the journey for many, many years of learning what it means to trust and follow Jesus. And regardless of your story from beginning to end, there is a beautiful life outside of and beyond what you are currently walking in that God's inviting you into. Your talents won't take you there. Your charisma and personality type won't take you there. Your success and your net worth it's not going to bring you there. The pain and heartache that you've walked through or are walking through, not going to bring you there. God did not design you to look to the established rule of your past to fulfill your future. You and me, we were designed for a supernatural life of faith. That's how the creator designed us. But it's a bold faith. It's a, it's a desperate faith. It's an energized faith. It's an intentional faith. It's a purpose-filled faith. It's, a, it's an active faith that you and I were designed to build our lives on. So what is faith? We can read about it. We can say, I have faith. Often when we say we have faith, it means, well, I believe something. But it's way more than that. It's way deeper than that. This is how I define faith. Faith means to both trust and behave as though it's already accomplished. So to both trust and behave as though it's already done. A few years ago, we took a family vacation and went on a cruise. Anybody ever been on a cruise before? 
take it or leave it. But a part of that cruise, we did an excursion that involved us going zip lining. And that was fun and terrifying. Why? Well, because I'm six foot six, 261 pounds, right? I'm a big boy. I'm not, I'm not a little man. And, and I see these people strapping into harnesses, putting hair nets on. That's disgusting. And then having to put like a helmet on their head. And then they walk up these platforms. And so we're like, let's go zip lining. Somebody said, it'll be fun. They said. And so like, I, I strap into this harness and like, I'm six, six, but I'm all torso. Like I have like a, I have a pretty standard leg length for most dudes, but this, this torso is like, it's weird. Okay. And, uh, like drop tees on me look like halter tops. Like they're just, and, uh, and so they strap me into this harness and it's a little tight. Like it's a little uncomfortable in all the wrong places. And, uh, and so we're like walking up these stairs and I got a hairnet on and a helmet that somebody else just sweat in 30 minutes ago. And so I'm, I'm like already thinking this is a bad idea. Okay. But then they, they, they strap you in and then you're kind of swinging on this and it's just like, it's a zip line. Right. And I'm hanging there. And I remember holding on to like a tree on this side and like a wood railing on this side. And the guy's like, you got to let go. I'm like, maybe. <laughs> it was fun walking up here. It's a beautiful view. I could just enjoy this moment, right? Faith is trusting and behaving in a way that it's already accomplished. People said it's fun. People said it's a good time. People said it's going to take your breath away. You're going to love it. But I still had to get right over the edge, and then leave, right? So we say we have faith. We say, God, I want to have faith. God, you've given me a measure of faith. And we often just dial that back to a simple place of believing or trusting. But do we respond with action, coinciding action to what we're saying we believe? Hebrews 11 in the Bible is, it's been known as like the faith chapter. And if you've ever read through um, in the book of Hebrews in the Bible, chapter 11. It says a lot about faith. And in verse 1, here's what it says. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. How does it show it? By us acting on it. Why? Because faith means to both trust and behave as though it's already accomplished. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for, the evidence of things we cannot see. I love the passion translation of this same verse. This is now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It's all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Let's read it a third time in the message translation because it's going to keep coming alive for somebody in the room. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. When I was 15 years old, I grew up in southwestern Ontario, and I'm a summer camp kid, okay? Anybody work at camp or go to camp as a kid? In a few years, I lived in Vancouver. I used to work up at Anvil Island, Daybreak Point Bible Camp. Yeah, yeah, that was my, that was my jam. That was my people. And, uh, but when I was 15, I was sent to the Ontario Camp Leadership Training Center, OCLC, in a place called Bark Lake. And they sent hundreds of kids there. And um, they put us into teams. It was leadership development. It was camp kind of learning. And one of the things they had us do fresh out of the gate, they put us into teams. They broke us off into smaller groups of about 24 students. And they brought us out into the woods. And there was this wooden platform attached to a tree. 
And we had to go up on that platform and we had to hug the tree. And then a few of our team members would stand behind us and, and we had to do a trust fall. Has anyone ever done a trust fall? Let me demonstrate for you. You guys strong? Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> I would kill you. I would crush you. I, I'm not going to fall backwards into your lap. But um, a trust fall is pretty terrifying. And I remember, I remember being a catcher, right? There would be like three of us here with our arms out, and then three here with our, their arms out, and then a person hugging a tree. And, and they would have to like let go of the tree and then just like fall backwards and trust that these six strangers are going to catch them. And uh, this one girl on our team, she would not let go of the tree. She would not. The, the counselors, the coaches are like, you just got to let go of the tree. Gotta let, and she was like sobbing. I can't let go of the tree. I can't let go of the tree. And I was like, God, that's me. Right? I have faith. I have this like belief in my head, even like a little bit in my imagination. But then you ask me, invite me into something that feels impossible. It feels terrifying, and I'm just like, I'm not let going of the tree. <laughs> but if we don't act on our faith, it's actually not faith. Faith means that we trust and behave as though it's already accomplished. A trust fall is terrifying because of the perception and the potential for failure and bodily harm. But you know what faith says? Fall anyways. Fall anyways. Like I know there's risk. I know it's scary. Fall anyways. Come on. I can actually already sense that somebody in the room here today, somebody in this space is like, I need, I need to shift something. What's the established rule of your life been? What have you been building your life on? Good, bad, indifferent. Default or design. What's been the established rule of your life? And is it maybe time for an uprising of faith? That's what I want to know. God did not design us to look to the established rule of our past to fulfill our future. This idea of an established rule, I think it's a leadership question. Okay, hang with me. In the few minutes we have left, I want to put it this way. What leadership, what authority are you surrendered to? And if you think about it in the, in the context of war, when an up happens, a violent insurrection against the established rule takes place, it's a pushback against what? Leadership. It's saying this leadership, this authority isn't working in this context anymore. We need new leadership. We need to submit and surrender to a new leadership. And so today I want to close with this one thought that I want to unpack for us in the room, and it's this. My uprising, my new established rule of faith is connected to my ongoing level of surrender. My new established rule of faith is connected to my ongoing level of surrender. As we close, I want to read a bit from Matthew chapter 8. It's one of my favorite faith stories in the Bible. I'm going to work through a few verses and share a few things with you. So Matthew chapter 8, starting at verse 5, here's what it says. When Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a captain in the Roman army approached him asking for a miracle. Lord, I have a son who's lying in my home, paralyzed and suffering terribly. And here's what Jesus responds with. He says, I will go with you and I will heal him. Don't you love the heart of our Savior? Don't you love Jesus' response in that moment? Did you know that that's our Jesus? When we invite him into our moments, his response is, I'm coming, I'll look after him. 
I've got this. That is Jesus' heart. When we live from a place of disappointment, from a place of hurt, from a place of fear, do we even dare to imagine that Jesus says, I will go with you, I will heal you? Or are we so paralyzed and gripped with what we've walked through? Or are we to invite God in to stir up our faith for where he's bringing us? My uprising, my new established rule of faith is connected to my ongoing level of surrender. Well, surrender to what, pastor? To the heart of Jesus. I will go with you. I will heal you. Come on. Goes on to say, but the Roman officer interjects. I love this guy. He's like, I know you're a cool rabbi, you're a miracle worker, but I'm going to interrupt here, okay? Here's what he says. Lord, who am I to have you come into my house? I understand your authority, for I too am a man who walks under authority, has authority over soldiers who serve under me. I can tell one to go, he'll go. Another to come, he'll come. I order my servants, and they'll do whatever I ask, so I know that all you need to do is stand here and command healing over my son, and he'll be instantly healed. If you've read this story before, I do not want you to read over this story. I want you to read through this story with me. Because where's this rhetoric coming? Where's this, where's this narrative out of this Roman soldier? What piece of his heart is pulling this out? Has this captain lost his marbles, right? Because our offer, when we understand that Jesus wants to walk in and wants to heal, our offer is to take Jesus up on that. Our offer is to say things like, Yes, Jesus, make the trek with me. Come into my circumstance. I need you physically in the room to see my prayer answered. Come and touch my situation. Then we'll see what happens. But that's not faith. That's not the faith journey. of. That's not the up-stirring, the up-rising of faith that Jesus has invited us into. Because here's what it says in verse 10. Jesus was astonished when he heard this. And then he turns and says to everybody who's following him, this guy has greater faith than anyone I've encountered in all of Israel. This is a commanding, wide-sweeping statement. When Jesus of Nazareth, the rabbi who turned the then-known world upside down, pauses and says to everybody in the room, that is faith. I think I want to lean in and figure out, what am I missing? What am I, what am I lacking, God? Jesus was astonished when he heard this. And then here's what Jesus says. He says, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Matthew 8, verse 11. Multitudes of non-Jewish people will stream from the east and the west to enter into the banqueting feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the heavenly kingdom. And again, I want you to hear the heart of Jesus. I'm calling out this uprising of faith because it's for every person. Not just some, not just a select few, not people who have kept my commandments, but everybody is invited into this. And many Israelites will be turned away and banished into darkness. Why? Because they don't understand the kind of faith that's required. I gotta say, I, I appreciate this, this pause in the story. I often think about the Roman soldier because he's still there. He's still got his son at home paralyzed and sick. He's still waiting for Jesus to say the word. But Jesus turns this into a teaching moment. Right? There's, this, there's this full stop. There's this pause here in the story. He turns to his followers to reveal something monumental about faith that he's inviting us into. Jesus makes a direct connection between astonishing faith and our future reward. 
Jesus makes a full stop picture painting. Your faith uprising is connected to the future promise. Pause, don't miss this. Faith is not just believing in something you can't see. Faith means to both trust and behave as though it's already accomplished. Jesus turns to the Roman officer in verse 13, and here's what he says. Go home. All that you've believed for is done for you. And his son was healed at that very moment. What's the established rule of your life? If you, if you have a takeaway, if you're a note taker, if you like homework, then not just hear the word, but be a doer of it. I can't help but wonder that some of us in the room here today have been trying to build our lives on the established rule of our past. We've been trying to build. We, we say we believe. We say we have faith. But we haven't stepped into the fullness of inviting Jesus to come with us, to be our provider, and to step into the unknown. To not just trust, but to trust and behave in such a way that it's, it's already accomplished. I know my life has been riddled with fear and anxiety. But tomorrow in faith, I'm going to behave in a way that it's already accomplished. I'm going to get my eyes up off of me and begin to see others. I'm going to push through that fear because that's what faith invites us into. Maybe your past has been riddled with failure. A business that didn't take off the way you'd hoped. A financial decision that backfired. And so you've been You've been building your life on that. It's been your established rule. Today, Jesus, his voice, his presence in the room is like, "Uh uh-uh, it's time for an uprising. We need to push back. We need to rebel against this. And so today, you begin to take steps, action connected to your faith of inviting the presence of Jesus into your resource, inviting the heart of the Father into your finances, and acting on that, trusting God fully with your tomorrow. For some others in the room, it's a relationship that you're like, we're hanging on, but I'm done. I'm so hurt. There's no way through this. Jesus says, I will go with you. I will heal you. That's that's our Jesus. But you know what it requires? It requires us, us to heal, mend, invite freedom into that established rule of hurt from our our relationship, and then recognize today's a new day. And so what does faith require of me? Faith requires that maybe as a husband in a marriage relationship, I'm going to begin to love and serve my wife the way that Jesus loves and serves his church. I haven't been doing it, but it's time. I believe it. I'm going to, I'm going to act on it. That's, that's the kind of faith that Jesus invites us into. Resonate, God didn't design us to look to the established rule of our past to fulfill our future. We are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. Today's a new day. Today's a line in the sand. Today's a full front assault on the established rule of our past and inviting faith to stir an uprising in us. An uprising of faith to trust and behave as though it's already done.
There is a direct connection between our faith and our tomorrow. And Jesus says, I'm going with you. I will heal you. But this uprising, this new established rule of faith is connected to our ongoing level of surrender. And I just love that this is our baseline, regardless of where you're at in your story. If you've been all in for years, but crippled by fear, if you're brand new to faith and just beginning to learn, this is our baseline. How's your level of surrender? How's your level of understanding the authority that you're under? Do you whisper in moments of fear like that Roman soldier? Just say the word, Jesus. Just say the word and then I'm going to walk like it's already done. So that's, that's our homework. As the team comes, we're going to just take a moment to pause and reflect. What has been the established rule of my past that I've been living from? And what authority have I been fully surrendered and submitted to? Has it been the authority of my mistakes? The authority of my shortcomings of failures? The authority of my successes? Or is it the surrender to Jesus? Would you stand with me as we pray together? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are still the same. You will go with us, and you will bring healing. You will walk with us. Just say the word, Jesus. Say the word, and we know it's done. We trust you today that you still have the the, the place in our life, the authority in our life to make a way where we can't see one. To bring healing to what's been broken. We choose in faith this uprising, this uprising, this pushback, this rebellion, this revolt against how we've been building and choose this baseline of just a surrender to you, a trust in you, but not just trusting, but also behaving in a way that it's already done. Seal this in our hearts.